Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 82 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be breaking down who will finish in the top four for the final two spots in the uh, Premier League, and also who will stay up in the Premier League. We have three teams fighting for that final spot to stay up. We got Aston Villa, Watford, and Bournemouth. And then finally... We want to quickly mention some of the uh, standings in the championship in terms of who will be coming up into the Premier League. But to start things off, Liverpool finally, finally got to hoist the Premier League trophy the first time in their club history to finally hoist that famous Premier League trophy. Um, Jordan Henderson, obviously the captain. Um, it was kind of, it was pretty cool to see him, even though he was injured and everything. It was cool to see him finally hoist it up and everything. But, you know, Tyler... Your team finally, how, how cool was it to finally see them just celebrate the Premier League title with a trophy like that? It was, it was like, a, kind of not weight lifted off your shoulders, but it was just like, oh, finally it's happening. It's like one of those things where you, you've been waiting for it for so long and then it's like, all right, it's here. It's kind of like the Tesla stocks where it's like, you, <laughs> you know, they're going to hit their Q2 numbers from looking at their sales of cars and then finally when the report came out like two weeks later it happened because like you know Liverpool won the title technically a few weeks ago and that's when I feel all the euphoria happened but then it was like a little second wave when we saw that the trophy be lifted by Jordan Henderson which was a little weird also because we knew he was injured (laughs) <laughs> so yeah was, I, don't, I don't know how you felt about him dancing around with his knees like jumping up and down like, i mean at like, that hey. point you're just on pure adrenaline so <laughs> i was like you know what this is cool and then also it was, it was really neat seeing all these players get the get the medal so like you'd see like adam alana you see james milner of course henderson and then like just see like dejan lover get the <laughs> get the medal and then it's like man it, it's been a process i mean all these years of all these players also going through all this and then seeing like these new players like Takumi Minamino getting the trophies too or getting the medal. It, it was kind of weird. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> it had like that same energy of seeing like Benjamin Wendy win the World Cup. It's like, oh, yeah. We didn't or really do Florian too much. Tovan, right? Wasn't yeah. Tovan? <laughs> it's like, I didn't really do too much, but, you know, I guess you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, I thought it was pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, real quickly that I think this the the way it goes is if you have at least five appearances for the club in the league, you get an automatic medal. So it was pretty cool seeing uh, Klopp give those appearances to Nico Williams and Curtis Jones, I believe. Yes. So they, they qualified for the automatic five to get the medal. That was pretty cool to see. Curtis Jones literally got it in the game yesterday against Chelsea. Yeah. Like that was his fifth. And he was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to see. And just seeing Twitter just... All the posts, like right now, is a great time to be on Twitter if you're a Liverpool fan. Yeah, <laughs> not the best for a United fan. Not I just the best for off. every other team, but like <laughs> you can just see every single player from the Liverpool squad posting like the aftermath of them being with the trophy, just celebrating. Like Trent Alexander Arnold posting, he's like, "I'm just a normal lad from Liverpool," and it's just the picture of him with the Champions League trophy, and then him with the Premier League trophy. Yeah, it's like who would have thought? And then Dude, within I, thirteen months, we literally win everything. It, it was crazy. It was like a subtle flex by Van Dyke. He made up Twitter posts, and he was just like, "This is an example of to all the kids to follow your dreams." And in his picture, he's on the bus with the Premier League trophy, and then you see on his neck is like the Premier League medal, the Champions League medal, the, like the FIFA Club World Cup medal. Um, 
and the UEFA Super Cup medal. And it's just like they're all just hanging around his neck and he's just like flexing like, wow, look at me. And it was pretty cool to see. Dude, not, not many people can can do that yeah. in history even. So mm-hmm. like that is definitely this is definitely a moment to soak in for Liverpool fans. And not going to lie, it was a little spoiled because it, it was just happening during the middle of the day. And I was still working because they did the trophy celebration on a, like a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm still working. I mean, you know, it was a busy day, so I was still doing some things. But, you know, as a true fan, I probably should have stopped working. But <laughs> I was like, man, we, we got responsibilities out here. Yeah, I got responsibilities <laughs> to do some other things. But um, I, it was I good. Th- I still watched it on YouTube and, you know, afterwards. Hey, and I mean, like you, 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 you still live through all the experiences. You were your true yeah, fans. Mortem. <laughs> yeah, you lived through all the experiences. I thought it was also pretty cool. Um, not even to mention the game, but seeing some of the even the ex Liverpool players like I saw Lazar Markovic post a uh, Twitter post about it. I know Steven Gerrard posted something about it. Um, there's so many other like ex Liverpool players that I saw on social media just post like congrats Liverpool, congrats and everything. So you could tell even players that were no longer part of the team how much it meant to them. And how crazy of a game was it for Liverpool to win? Because it kind of, the way they won this game just took me back to when Klopp was first became manager, like those first couple of seasons before they had Van Dyke and a defense. They were literally winning games 6 3, 5 3, 4 3, 3 2. And it was just such a throwback to when he first came to the club. I, it was just such a spectacular game to watch. And Pulisic scoring that goal, you saw the smile on Klopp's face. It just made me think. You know, why Why didn't Liverpool just go out and buy Pulisic before Chelsea? I think he would have been like a perfect match for Klopp because I think Klopp really likes him as a player and as a person and everything. Um, in terms of referencing what was happening. So yesterday, Chelsea and Liverpool faced off before the Liverpool trophy lift, which is a little crazy because like if you think about it, I was like, what if someone got injured <laughs> during that trophy <laughs> lift and, or before the trophy lift and he had to go to the hospital and then he misses the celebration. So oh my gosh, yeah. I'm glad no one got hurt. But also that was Liverpool fully also succeeding in making sure they keep their fortress home record alive. So they went undefeated at home with that 5-3 win against Chelsea. But for Pulisic, he came off off the bench and immediately made an impact Nutmeg Joe Gomez got an assist and a goal. And then Nutmeg like, Joe Gomez, like, dang. Gosh. But for Pulisic, I think the reason why he didn't go to Liverpool is because, I, I frankly, I just think it's because Chelsea paid more money. And I think... I think like, that's what the they've wage, been doing a lot recently. Yeah, it's like... It's, it's kind <laughs> of like what happened everyone. Werner. So yeah. I think that's the reason why. And also, you know, Klopp, he's not the type of manager that try to go into a bidding war with another team. He'll always find another alternative to bring in. And also, we have a lot of other players that we have, like in the starting 11, that I don't think that Pulisic would have overtaken anyway. So Pulisic right now is like a starting 11 for Chelsea, but for Liverpool, he would have been a bench player. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of it. And also, you know, it's I don't think Klopp has so far brought in a former player of his into Liverpool. That is true. I'm so, like think. every player from Dortmund, he just kept a Dortmund. Like he hasn't like tried to get him back or approach anyone. Him. Yeah, he just yeah. hasn't touched them. So like he brought Pulisic into Dortmund as an academy player mm-hmm. and gave him his first starts. But ever since then, I don't think he's uh, trying to go after him. So I think that's also part of it. Like he's just 
I, yeah. I, I, it might be a respect kind of thing to not go yeah, after I, your old players. I, I was thinking that because you see a lot of other managers like Mourinho. Mourinho will just like go all in, like buying Matic. Um, you got to bring Fellaini everywhere he goes. Yeah, bring Fellaini <laughs> everywhere. I mean, with Pep, I mean, he, I mean, like if everything, if he could, if he could, he would bring Messi and everything. But <laughs> I think um, everyone would bring Messi. Exactly. But I, you, you kind of see that a lot of former managers will kind of bring their, their type of players and stuff. Yeah, Marco but, Silva brought Richarlison from yeah, uh, to, Everton. to Everton. And then. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matic it, was probably the biggest one for like Jose Mourinho. Yeah, and he, he really loved it. Like he really, and he was trying to bring William to Manchester United when he was a United boss. So it's not common. It's not uncommon to see that. But mm-hmm. maybe it is more of like a respect thing that Klopp is just like staying away. Um, but it was funny. It's funny because that entire Dortmund team since he's left, I feel like it's just been raided by the Premier League, like Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang. Um, Gunduan, uh, Socrates, <laughs> all in the Premier League, or yeah. have, like have once been in the Premier League. But with that Liverpool squad, um, there was an interview with Adam Lallana. Looks like he's most likely leaving the club, right? Mm-hmm. He's leaving. Um, on you a know, high. <laughs> yeah, on a high. But what you know, we, we've kind of mentioned this before. We'll mention it real quickly again. What do Liverpool need to do, or who do they need to bring in to make sure they don't fall off for next season, or they don't have that type of drop off in performances like they've had since they finally clinched the title this season? I I still believe that Klopp is going to give more impact to the academy players that have been getting more appearances, like Curtis Jones, Nico Williams, and then probably Harvey Elliott will get some more time next season, and then. Takumi Minamino, although he hasn't been showing, you know, or he's been getting substituted in and getting a few occasional starts. He's been starting to get a little bit better in the more recent appearances, which is a good sign. And I think certain players are also probably on the way out, like Shakiri and Lovren. Oh, wow. Shakiri's leaving? Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Shakiri has been injured most of the season, but, you know, he's gotten the occasional... Um, he scored that double against United, and that's the only thing I remember. I, I will miss Shakiri. I really wish Shakiri could stay on the team forever, but, you know, I think it's just one of those situations where maybe he probably wants more game time. And <laughs> he's always been, you know, the, the player that comes off the bench, um, yeah. um, unless he was at Stoke. But um, it's just kind of those situations. So I think Klopp will probably entrust and bring in the youth still because like Rian Brewster if um for those that haven't he's heard me rant on, about him <laughs> he's been on Rian Brewster train for like literally since season one yeah but I will say he helped Swansea get into the playoffs yes. for uh the, the promotion from the championship because I believe Swansea in their in their final match he scored the opening goal for them and got them into the playoffs but they do have to face the third team place in Brentford, but we'll go into that a little bit later in this episode. So mm-hmm. I think like all these players that I mentioned, I think they will get a bigger impact and bigger roles for next season. And there are more reports that Thiago Alcantara is getting closer and closer to Liverpool wow. with like transfer deals and transfer negotiations becoming more and more confirmed. But I, I don't know if that's all just solder just to get Thiago, a, a higher contract <laughs> from Bayern Munich, is be like, hey, I can leave. Look at this. It's like it's possible, but you know, it's, I don't really believe anything until I see that picture of the player holding the jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. But I mean, if he were to come, that'd definitely be a big boost. But I don't know if he'd be a starter. I feel like he—that's what he'd want. But given that Liverpool are the best team in the world right now, it's like who would he take over for? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's yeah, the thing. I mean, we saw uh, that game. Not a good, you know. In that game, we saw Nabi Keita score that screamer, and you know, I would say this is an outsider. I don't think we've seen the best of Keita. You know, whether that's through injuries or lack of confidence and such, but you know. When he was at, you know, when he was in Germany and everything in the Bundesliga, I mean, Keita was like lighting it up. So mm-hmm. maybe he could be that that kind of that new signing in a sense if he can get his form back to what he was when Liverpool initially signed him. Yeah, and I was thinking the same thing because Keita, he is one of the most, if not the most expensive African players still. Wow. Even and, more than Salah, wow. Yeah, Salah was like 35 and then Keita was like 50. Jeez. 50 million yeah, I mean, pounds. And he's still young. He's like, what, 23, 24? I don't know actually, but he I know he is pretty young in relative standards. I'm guessing yeah. like your your age like the age guesses that you've been putting out there are probably what he is. Probably oh wait, that's crazy if he's around my age. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I still think maybe just getting more acclimated to Klopp system too might have been a may have been a learning curve as well. But I think based on the recent results too and how he's been performing in the Premier League, I it's looking pretty promising. I think he'll be, get another more more impact for next season. And he's going to be like a new player signing in a way too because, you know, he hasn't really been the player you'd start. He's always a player that you'd bring on to like finish out a game or something like that. But mm-hmm. if he makes a bigger impact, then he will be like a new signing as well. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, you know, it'll be exciting to see what Liverpool do because if we've seen anything, City have been on fire in terms of their offense. I know their defense needs to be fixing, but they'll definitely go out and fix and strengthen that way as well. So City and Liverpool are definitely the top dogs for next Still, season. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be one and two pretty much locked up. It just depends on who flip flops, but yeah, those two like are locked Golden up. State Warriors versus Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers. Again. Yeah. Or like the Los Angeles Clippers or the uh, Lakers. If you're going this season with the NBA, just like two juggernauts <laughs> basically. But the teams below them, we're talking about Chelsea, Manchester United, and Leicester City, the teams that are fighting for the top four places. It's been, you know, a, a bit of an odd run-in for all three of these teams because, in a sense, you know, everyone was on Manchester United. I was, too, when they were winning games off the block, just winning games 3-0, you know, just destroying teams after the restart. But these past four games, I would say, I you kind of see the lack of depth in terms of the quality of bench players that Manchester United have because they've been having to roll out the same starting 11 since the restart. And personally, I think the the problems they've been having, you know, when they drew 1-1 to West Ham, Lou, you know, drawing 2-2 to Southampton, barely getting by against Crystal Palace and such. A lot of that I think has to do with the lack of stamina and the lack of energy this team has because the one guy I'm going to point out, Bruno Fernandez, when the restart happened, you know, what Bruno Fernandez, what we saw before the restart and before the pandemic and everything was that he was a ball, you know, he was a playmaker that could run and, you know, he was trying to run and get past players, but also he would try to shoot and he would just try to shoot as many, many shots as he could, whether it be long shots, you know, short shots. But in the past couple of games, I've seen that he's taken more of a step back and he's not really been as quick and he hasn't been linking play as fast as he was uh, maybe a couple games ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with how tired he is because he's not taking as many shots as he was when he first got into the league and he's not really speeding up the play. I feel like in a sense, sometimes he's slowing down the play, him and Pogba. I think they're both 
really tired. And I think their their the lack of energy is kind of showing in terms of this whole United squad. And it's kind of worrying, uh, low key, because they have that play in match basically for the Champions League against Leicester. And I don't know, man. I'm not feeling too confident as a Manchester United fan right now because what I've seen is that this team is just really lacking energy. And I just don't know how you can get back energy without just getting rest. Well, good news for you is that not only are United looking tired, but most of the other teams as well, <laughs> especially Leicester. Leicester, yeah. after coming back from the the rest or I guess the, the restart, restart mm-hmm. like they literally have been just trying to throw away the Champions League <laughs> opportunity. I know. Literally, Soinchu got a red card and got sent off for the final three remaining games. Oh, he's not going to be there. Lord Farquaad will not yeah. play <laughs> Lord against, against Manchester United. Their key defender. I know. Besides it, Johnny Evans. <laughs> yeah, and Johnny Evans has been pretty bad on his own too. He's been caught out a bunch of times, I would say. He's, he's pretty missing he, his buddy. Yeah, and he, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, I think all the teams are tired, but... Oh man, Manchester United scared me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I if I were to pick which team I'd favor for this matchup, United, Manchester United versus Leicester going into the final game of the season to decide who gets that last Champions League spot and all Manchester United have to do is get that draw while Leicester have to win. Given all these things and all these variables, I still give it for United because mm-hmm. if you also look Leicester in the past recent games has been starting some players that haven't conventionally started as well, such as Luke Thomas, one of those youth players that's coming up from the ranks, getting his start at a very crucial time of the season, which I it's a big risk from Brandon or uh, Brendan Rogers, but it's not something unlike him because he likes to trust in a lot of youth <laughs> at very sporadic times and a lot of youth youth doesn't really correlate to high potential because like you've seen him play certain like players Ibe. like <laughs> freaking Jordan <laughs> Ive, Fabio Barini, Lazar Markovic. Like, oh my gosh. You know, Literally, basically all the players that were tweeting congrats Liverpool. Yeah, it's like, well, we didn't make it, but uh, I'm glad you guys got it. But, you know, Brendan, Brendan Rogers likes to do oh, this kind what's of What's that, thing. Jordan Rossiteer? Yeah, Rossiteer, dude. The, <laughs> who we thought was going to be the next Stevie G. Oh, man. And now he's at, I think he's a Rangers now. Yeah, ironically so enough with Stevie yeah. but you know besides that he's also starting Wes Morgan and Ryan Bennett in the last yeah. game against Spurs and Ryan Bennett was on I believe the old Norwich team that got relegated all those years ago Jeez. and then now he's finally making some start appearances and then Wes Morgan out of the grave he, yeah he's old <laughs> he's old I don't think they were able to keep up with Rashford and like if you think about it in terms of just pace alone unless you're in like an ace at positioning a defensive awareness which in their prime i feel like west morgan potentially mm-hmm. was due definitely to during the winning, title winning yeah, during season. the title winning season yeah but now this is a west morgan that's four years after that title winning season yeah coming out the bench to start for some of like the first games of this whole season going against his manchester united team in a must-win scenario i don't know i don't i don't I'm not going to give Lester much benefit of the doubt for this one because I think it's just it's, it's kind of all going against them. So maybe they'll have that mentality and be like, you know what? We're the underdogs. Maybe we can get through this. But I don't think at this time it's kind of right to have that kind of mentality. <laughs> it, it It's definitely crazy how everything is lined up because the scenarios are for Manchester United. All They have the easiest route. You know, all they have to do is win. But they also have the luxury. They can win or draw. Um, but 
if they do that, they need or if they don't if they lose this game against Leicester, they just need Chelsea to lose and they're in. And then for Leicester to get in, they need to win or they they could win or draw and they need Chelsea to lose because Chelsea right now have a far 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 less superior goal differential compared to Manchester United and Leicester because Chelsea right now are sitting at plus 13 goal differential and Leicester and United are tied at 28 and that's kind of shocking for Chelsea because they have a really tough game against Wolves. You know, Wolves are not they're not uh they're not an easy team to face. I mean everyone that's watched the Premier League this season have seen how good and how compact and how strong Wolves are. I mean they've drawn twice against Manchester United. They gave Liverpool a run for their money. They beat Manchester City twice. This is not an easy team. They have a lot of pace with Traore. Jimenez is scoring goals for fun. You know, Potence, Jota, uh, Moutinho can create from the back. Um, Ruben Neves is a deep playmaker. And that Chelsea defense is not exactly very good. I mean, Kurt Zuma, Antonio Rudiger, and Cesar Aspilicueta do, do not exactly, for me, scream confidence. And then you have <laughs> Kepa, who literally during, the I think, the Liverpool game, I, I think Alexander Arnold just whipped in a cross yeah. or something and he just st- he stood. He didn't even try to attack the ball. So if you're compounding all of that, I know Chelsea have the sub- they have a sublime attack, you know, when Pulisic, Abraham, you know, whether it be Hudson Adoy, Willian are all firing, you know, at full throttle. However, that defense really freaks me out. And I if this is a Chelsea Wolves game, I honestly in favoring a Wolves win than a Chelsea win going into this uh, championship Sunday. That'd be so sad if Chelsea <laughs> don't get into the Champions League because it'll be a disaster. Leicester tie, and then Chelsea loses, and then Chelsea get Europa League due to the goal, goal differential, which is pretty possible. But also, Wolves have to win to guarantee yeah. Europa League because Tottenham are one point under them. And Tottenham, let me see, who are they facing again? Crystal Palace. So they ha- they they'll probably win that game. Crystal, Crystal Palace, Palace have been bad. Have is been on bad since a lost streak, and they have it, under Roy Hodgson. This is the longest lost streak he's ever had in his career. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll and they and they don't have Van Aanholt either. He got hurt during the United game, so that's mm-hmm. their best left back gone. So a lot of things are pointing at Tottenham getting that 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 dub against. Crystal Palace and then potentially leapfrogging Wolves if Wolves get either a draw or a loss. So this is a crazy championship Sunday so far just for the top half alone. Just mm-hmm. like hearing us. Unfortunately, Sheffield United are not yeah. in the running. They lost and they lost a few games after the project restart. And now they're just going to be smack dab in eighth. And also to make note, Arsenal in 10th. Their only hope is to win the Europa FA League. Cup. I mean, not the not, yeah, win the <laughs> FA Cup to get yeah. into the Europa League. Yes, against Chelsea. So, so who who do you have in that Chelsea Wolves game? Oh, I after seeing Chelsea get three goals against a Liverpool side who needed to win, so you know I wouldn't kind of spoil their kind of night. It made it look like Chelsea was actually pretty decent, but. Wolves, they've just been so consistent Dude, throughout the entire season, they're, they're, even after the, Project Restart. Nuno, I mean, they they are such a good team to watch because they're so well-knit and they're so well-coached. 
Like everyone knows, everyone knows how, what position they are, how to play it perfectly. Everyone gets really compact when they need to defend. And when they break, I mean, they have literally, when you have guys like Adama Traore and Raul Jimenez, who have been probably the best partnership in the league this season, um, just based off chemistry and everything. And that defense for Chelsea, like I've mentioned, I don't know. I, I, I probably have a little Manchester United bias and I just want to see Chelsea lose, but Wolves, Wolves are no joke, man. I'm if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm I'm going into this match a little worried. <laughs> well, either of them would hate a draw. I think. I think yes. that's that's the thing. Even though it would kind of guarantee Chelsea a Champions League spot in certain scenarios, it'd be a pretty high chance. But for Wolves, like they 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 have to win. Yeah. So this is gonna be tough. I I think they both will want to win and then that'll end up with them kind of going crazy with their tactics potentially where they're just very open all and out, exposed just so all it might be a very high scoring game but it might be a very high scoring game but then lead to a draw and i wouldn't be surprised if that happens so Jeez. i'm gonna say that's what happens we're doing a Do prediction you, a little early but i'm yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it's like a three three do you think uh do you think he'll start Lampard or Abraham because or if Lampard will start Giroud or Abraham because we saw Giroud he played pretty well in the FA Cup but against Liverpool he got he got the goal but he was really struggling to create a lot and then Abraham came on and he made an instant impact along with Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi do you think he goes with that front three or do you think I feel like he'll probably end up going with Giroud because that's the guy he's been trusting a lot lately yeah I think it will be Giroud that'll start he so, needs to start Pulisic, though, please. He does need to start Pulisic. Start Unless Captain America. Kind of, start Captain America. Unless he has some kind of tactic to make him more of an impact player off the bench. And, I mean, ultimately, that's what got him a couple goals last game mm-hmm. against Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't start well against Liverpool either last game. So, he probably have to change up things. But I also, although I said it, it might be a 3-3 draw, that's only assuming if everyone just decides to throw tactics out the window and just go all out. Because, you know, although Chelsea, you've seen them concede a lot of goals. You haven't seen Wolves concede a lot of goals. Yeah. They're, so, they actually, they've only conceded 38. So, they actually have a better goal. They're just as good as pretty much. Leicester have conceded 39. United have considered conceded 36 so wolves have conceded only 38 and chelsea have conceded 54 (laughs) yeah so i can see wolves definitely scoring but i don't know if chelsea can do it's much damage yeah it'll be interesting though but the race to stay up in the premier league is arguably just as interesting this season um with the final spot up for grabs right now in 17th place is aston villa and they are sitting at 34 points with a better goal differential than Watford, who are in 18 spot. And they have a negative 26 goal differential. Villa does. Watford has negative 27. And then Bournemouth, the team in 19th place, still has a chance to get um, stay in the Premier League with 31 points with a negative 27 goal differential. So the scenarios are basically this. Um, Villa, I mean, Villa and Watford pretty much just have to win. And then Bournemouth, the Bournemouth have the hardest... Uh, job on their hands because they need to beat Everton, but they also need Villa and Watford to both lose. So they have a a very unlikely road to get back and stay in the Premier League. But all you Bournemouth fans out there, there's still a chance. There's still a chance out there that you guys could um you guys do it. But it's it's interesting for Watford because they fired N- Nigel Pearson, they sacked him, they brought in interim manager Hayden Mullins, then he gets smacked by Man City. So 
that new manager bounce that Watford so often relies on so many times since they've been in the Premier League um, kind of screwed them over in the last game. And if I'm being honest, if I if I want to see a team stay, I'd rather see either Bournemouth or Villa stay. Um, and I don't know. Watford, I think the way they manage their club, just think about it this way. If you're a business, how would you feel if you were working for a company and literally they kept firing their CEO every six months? <laughs> like there's literally a new CEO coming every or, six months. Or fire most of their team. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you have to bring in a new culture. Because like when you bring in a new team, a new culture, new workplace habits, new techniques, new tactics, new everything. I just don't know how Watford have been able to do it for this long, doing that same system of just firing, rehiring, firing, rehiring, and once again, firing. I was going to um, say, that sounds a lot like big four consulting, but then I was like, well, <laughs> you don't really fire the CEO and then change the culture every time like Watford would. So yeah, yeah that's way different. It, it's it, it's kind of sad too, because Watford, you know, we did an episode maybe a couple, couple weeks back where we kind of both predicted Watford would probably stay up. And I was looking at their squad and they have, if you look at their squad, they have a pretty decent squad. They probably arguably have a better squad than Villa and Bournemouth. You know, you guys have, you have players like Troy Deeney, Ismani so Sar, Decore, Delafeo, um, Pereira. I mean, they have some of these nice, good attacking players, but it's just been a disaster for Watford this season. Literally, last or a couple episodes ago, when we we're discussing who would stay up, I was thinking Watford was going to stay up because, like, literally, Nigel Pearson is, you know, the performing. King. He's the king of the of a great the escape. Great escapes, and they've been like, although the results haven't been too consistent at the project restart, it was looking likely that they could at least stay up. But after firing Pearson, it's like you know what? Here's our chances of staying up, and then it's just thrown out the window. It's like, what the heck were you thinking? It's like, what kind of decision is this? They have to face oh. Arsenal. Granted, Arsenal really don't have any anything to play for besides maybe form going into the final FA Cup game of the season. Because, you know, Arsenal could win, lose, draw this, and then they'll still be basically in the same spot in the table. They're not. It's not going to change anything. But Arsenal, I don't think they'd want to be the team that loses to Watford. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. I think Arsenal is still going to give him a good game. And I don't even know if Watford can even handle like this kind of scenario. Because Watford, although they got smacked by Man City, they did have like a pretty decent counterattacking game. But It's crazy because they also got smacked by West Ham too. Yeah, so I I don't know. If, if I were Watford, I think they probably have the worst chance. Because if you look at like, say, the other games, West Ham, Villa... West Ham's already safe. They're done. Yeah, they can just chill. They can just chill. David Moyes can be just like, all right, guys, have a have a nice break. Yeah, have a nice we'll break. Oh, wait, we have one more game? Oh, okay. We'll just, whatever. <laughs> Who wants to play? <laughs> yeah, basically. He's like, like you want to play? You get like, a chance. Right, cool. You get a chance. He's like, all right. And then Villa, they are going off some good momentum after yes. getting the victory against Arsenal. Granted, the Arsenal side... Didn't perform as well as they did against... But it, it's a huge victory. Yeah, Trezeguet is going a, a good goal. Mm-hmm. Or it was... Um, it was yeah, Trezeguet. Yeah, it was Trezeguet, yeah. Yeah. And then Gr- Jack Grealish <clears throat> having the game of his life with all his stats <laughs> of... Just, boyhood Aston Villa fan, man. Mm-hmm. I think him he and, carry. Yeah, him... him um, you know, the boyhood Aston Villa fan, like he wants to keep this club mm-hmm. in the Premier League. So I think Villa have 
actually a pretty decent shot of making sure they stay they stay up. All they have to do is win and then win have, and they're in. Yeah, win, win and, and they're in. in. Win is guaranteed. Draw is Yeah, you're you're di- you're rolling you're the kind dice. Of rolling the dice, but that's also kind of rolling the dice on Watford also not getting a result. So if which Watford, could happen, which could happen because Watford have to win as well. Yeah. For them to over to leapfrog it, it, Villa. And it's it's crazy. Even if Villa win, Watford need to win, but they need to better the Aston Villa result if Aston Villa win mm-hmm. because of the goal differential. Because it makes it a little easier for us to kind of discuss who would get who would stay up because their goal difference are is basically the same. So let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. Let's just assume it's the same because it essentially is it's off by one goal. Yeah. So if Watford win, they have to win big. And if Villa win, they have to win big to stay safe. But assuming Watford also win, but then if Watford get a draw and then Villa win, then they're safe. If both get a draw, then Villa are for sure safe because Bournemouth has to win and the other team, two teams have to lose. There's a lot of scenarios playing through. It might be a little confusing for those listening, not looking at the table. But basically, it's... Like TLDR, long story short, <laughs> Villa have the best chance, and then Bournemouth is out of their destiny is not in their hands, but they just have to win, and they have to win big. Mm-hmm. And then for Watford, if they win big, then they have a pretty high chance. But otherwise, it's looking like Villa are going to stay up. Yeah, it's it's quite crazy how the basically going into Championship Sunday, you're fighting for the last spot to stay in the Premier League. It's it's wild. It's I know, it's really. We, I don't remember the last time we've seen something like this. Yeah. And we've usually seen like, oh, it's like there could be a chance where this random team could stay up, but it's never been a fight where it's like four team or three teams are literally fighting for survival mm-hmm. in the Premier and League. And they're so close. Yeah. Like it's they're never so been close this that close. It's a real for a long like, time. Because even if we're being honest, there's a realistic shot Villa and Watford could both lose and Bournemouth somehow score and, you know, somehow grab a winner. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, like, yeah, yeah, even Bournemouth, if. The other teams lose. The other two teams lose, and Bournemouth get a win because of the goal difference being so close. Bournemouth don't even have to win big; they mm-hmm. can just win like one zero, and then the other teams lose one zero, and then they're Bournemouth th- stay up. Gosh, geez. So it, it, it's crazy because we already know one team that's relegated, Norwich City, and by Championship Sunday, obviously, we'll know the the two other teams that will be relegated into the Championship. But the teams that are coming from the Championship and that are going to get automatic promotion into the Premier League. Leeds United, obviously, we've knew we've known that since last week with them um, clinching their league title. But at, uh, another former mainstay in the Premier League that we, you know, you probably know about is West Brom. They haven't been in the league for two years now, but under the management of Slavon Bilic, who, if you didn't know, was West Ham's manager under the 2015-16 season, where they were basically uh, that magical season with Dimitri Payet, and they basically, I think, they earned the highest amount of points in club history during that season. And it was under Billich's um, reign. So uh, when we see West Brom, it's going to be a much different West Brom than the one we saw under Tony Pulis, which was more of a get as many tall players as I can and just hoof it up the field. Definitely <laughs> Savon Billich is going to be the guy that's going to try to play around and do focus more on the attacking side of the game. So mm-hmm. it's going to be nice. We're getting a old mainstay in Leeds United. And we're also getting a former a former team that used to be in the Premier League for a little while now, uh, West Brom. West Brom also have a new Brazilian player that I never even heard of named Pereira. He, mm-hmm. The only reason why I know about him is because he got some team of the community card or team of the year card 
oh, and nice. FIFA 20. And apparently he's pretty decent. So that's the only real player I can think of from West Brom that's kind of notable. But I do know that West Brom, thank goodness, they will be hopefully playing a different kind of style as opposed to the Tony Pulis aerial bombardment kind of style that we <laughs> Craig like Dawson. Yeah, Craig Dawson. That's literally the first player I think of when you think of someone run done. Yeah, someone <laughs> run done. Like I know we mentioned these two teams in particular and the previous preview for the championship probable promotions, but now those two teams are actually now solidified going to get promoted and the playoffs are currently happening for the other for the last spot between the third place through sixth place in the championship. So the first two teams are getting promoted, Leeds United and West Brom. And West Brom, they will be they they they're like a midland like England team, so that they're like in the middle of England. I don't know in particular what that really means, but they everyone always mentions them as like a midlands team, so I'm guessing that's like rural yeah, <laughs> like I think um I think three, I don't the know. Wolves I think the Wolves Twitter account tweeted something like um because apparently Wolves and West Brom have a have like a, a rivalry like a derby, yeah like a rivalry um because they're close by so Ooh. you know yeah that would be interesting that will be uh, yeah and then I also did want to mention that I did a little bit of research into Leeds United and how they have this very notorious manager Marcelo Bielsa mm. and apparently he has a lot of praise from some key notable managers like Pep Guardiola and Mauricio Pochettino they kind of treat him as like the one of the best coaches of all time and I went through his stats I went through his history and I was like all right who's he managed then he's like he's managed the Argentinian national team before during the early 2000s he's managed Chile after Argentina he's managed teams like Marseille he's now at leads obviously but i'm like man i never heard of him to be completely honest yeah (laughs) and then but all these other like prolific managers are just keying him as one of the top managers of all time and i mean i i also looked into like his kind of like why he's been regarded as so highly um you know prolific from all these other managers and it's because of apparently his attention to detail so Hmm. he's a little crazy he (laughs) has so much he knows so much about all the other teams that he may know more than the current manager of a team like before going into Leeds, apparently he did a tactics breakdown of every single other team in the championship before he even got the Leeds job so and like you know how i remember andre vias boas the old manager for Spurs, he would always crouch on the sideline. Like that was his thing. Bielsa always sits on like a little stump or like a water, like what's it called? Not storage containers. That's like a weird way of saying it. Like the little Gatorade things. Yeah, little Gatorade. That's it. I don't know if that really paints a picture. Like the thing you bring to like a tailgate or like a a picnic. Or you pour on top of a head coach. Yeah, like American football. I guess like a container. Let's just say that. He always sits on top of that on the sideline because like that's his perfect view. So like it's little things like that. You kind of get an idea of kind of the craziness behind this guy. But it's just his attention to detail. His very attacking-minded play can bring out certain players like Pablo Hernandez. He was a key player for Swansea City back in the day. He's like in his mid-30s now. And he's come back looking like a new like sprung guy during this last season. 
They, I know they have Patrick Bamford up mm-hmm. top. Patrick and he Bamford. used to be the former Chelsea striker, and he was also signed by Middlesbrough back in like 2016. Mm-hmm. So like he's the a key player for them too. And like just little things like that, they're all coming through and going to go into the Premier League. So mm-hmm. it'll be very interesting to see Bielsa's style be implemented into the, the Premier League because now I'm like, hmm, maybe he can actually make some disruption given how much damage he's done in the championship. And if you haven't heard his name now, well, now you have. Yeah. <laughs> so now if anyone asks you about Leeds, it's like, I don't know. Like, don't don't kind of out too quickly because they might be a surprise, like kind of like Sheffield United were this season, mm-hmm. where they might actually do some damage. Yeah, and it's uh, looking at the other, the the playoff pitcher for getting that third and final spot for promotion in the championship. Brentford will face Swansea, the third place Brentford facing sixth place Swansea, and then Fulham will play Cardiff. So, um, it, it, that, that'll be fun. So I think, um, I know Brentford were in the run in before the, before on Wednesday, before they basically, they ruined their chances to get the automatic promotion bid and West Brom took it, took it from them. But this will be fun to keep track of the playoffs and see who will get that final spot. And, mm-hmm. um, we are, this is kind of a spoiler, but we're going to try to find a, maybe a championship reporter or someone that has a lot of knowledge about the championship so they can kind of give you guys a, a much better picture about what can we expect from the, in terms of the style and everything we can expect from these three teams next season in the Premier League. So mm-hmm. watch out for that whenever the third team gets announced. We'll hopefully get that soon. But this I is was, the. I also did want to mention yeah. something that I did find kind of cool about the playoffs mm-hmm. is that we see both the Welsh teams in it. Yeah. Swansea Cardiff. and Cardiff. Formerly, they were in the Premier League at one point yes. at the same time. And. You know, Fulham are also in the fight and they were a former, recent former Premier League team. But Brentford, Brentford is a team we haven't seen in the Premier League yet. Yeah. At least not for, to my knowledge. And yeah. as, as you just mentioned, they did throw away their automatic promotion chances in their final game of the season against Barnsley because Barnsley were in the relegation battle and Barnsley needed to win to make sure they didn't get relegated. And they actually managed to pull off a 90th minute winner to sent Brentford and to give Brentford the loss and then save Barnsley. So that's why Brentford are now third. But I think they have probably the best chance given like some of the research I've done and also just their goal scoring prowess at the time because they currently have one of the best scoring records compared to any team in the championship. So hopefully the bees, which is their nickname, can go through because I'm all for seeing like new teams in the Premier League, like seeing Brentford. Like I, that's going to be so cool. But, you know, seeing one of those former teams, Fulham, Swansea, Cardiff, if they're going to be different, that'd be cool. But if there's going to be the same team that just goes straight back down, it's going to be like, man, what a waste. <laughs> no, but, it, it, it'll be interesting. And I think one other thing I wanted to point out quickly, this doesn't have to do with the playoff, but Jude Billingham, I, I think we've all know who he is. Like he's a well-touted 17-year-old um, Englishman who played? Who used to play for Birmingham City, but now he is officially signed to Borussia Dortmund. However, his former club, Birmingham City, at only 17 years old, for making like I think 33 appearance, uh, 33 senior appearances, have retired his number. Very <laughs> odd. And I don't know if I don't know how many people know about that, but they actually not. they actually legitimately retired his number, and a bunch of Birmingham fans are like, "This is a joke. Like this is ridiculous." And I think that's. 
Was it like a random number, like thirty three or like? Yeah, I, it's legit. I think his name, his number was thirty three. Oh uh, my! Let me check real quickly. He, yeah, he only made. Well, he made forty one appearances. Excuse me, but I believe his number is thirty three. That's but, yeah. like Isco level <laughs> retiring when Malaga retired his number. Yeah, his number is twenty two. Oh, twenty two. Okay, so I mean that's a that's not uncommon, but. But come on, he—he's only. I get it. Appearances. I get it. Like he's gonna be like he could eventually become like a superstar. Yeah. What if he was days? a flop? Yeah, and like if he's a flop, then it's like, what, what did you guys do? It'll just end up at Birmingham City a couple Again, years. Down. It's like, I can't no, get but, number. Um, but I think that's that's ridiculous. That's like Liverpool retiring Takumi Minamino. <laughs> yeah, no, they're kidding. like that's, congrats. That's a little lower, but like, maybe or no, they're like, like uh, Lazar Markovic or something. Like, actually, congrats. Markovic kind of makes sense. His is like fifty. <laughs> but I just think that's so weird and odd. Maybe there there obviously has to be more to it in terms of like maybe he did a lot for the club off the field, you know, in terms of helping out and such, or maybe he was someone that was part of the academy for years and years and stuff. But it's quite odd, I would say, mm-hmm. for a club to do that type of stature because usually when you think of retiring numbers, you think of um especially in American sports, you think of players like Michael Jordan, uh Kobe Bryant, like legends that have literally made a name for themselves in the game, not up and coming rising teenagers. So yeah, you wouldn't see like Trey Young, yeah, getting the number eleven retired for the Hawks or exactly. Luka I mean, Luca, he can and and Trey especially those two, we're getting an NBA, but like they haven't made it yet. They haven't yeah. won the the NBA championship yet. Like exactly. Birmingham has not won, like Birmingham City the promotion. Like they didn't yeah. win anything. <laughs> They're still so mid table. So it, exactly. It's just an odd thing, but I quickly wanted to do our predictions real quickly about who will finish in the top four. I know we answered this maybe a little bit back, but um, officially official, who do you think will be in the top four on championship Sunday? Even though I'm not too confident, I'm going to say Manchester United third and Chelsea fourth. I, I have to agree with that. I think it will be those two because I don't, I don't believe in Leicester right now. Like Brandon yeah. Rogers, when it's like go time, when it's yeah, like a key we, match, we've seen it. Yeah, we've we seen see, it. This we've season. seen him bottle it. <laughs> we've seen him bottle it. I've seen him bottle it several times, and I'm like, man, he is not clutch. If you needed an ice in the veins kind of manager that can make the play, I don't believe it's Brandon Rogers. I think yeah. he's really good at you know getting the momentum early, but then at the very end, it's just wheels come off the truck, and then. <laughs> United yeah. will probably take it with a dub and then Chelsea, I think we'll just get it by accident. <laughs> yeah, but, I think uh, I think for this game, I think United, I know we mentioned that they're tiredness, but I feel like Solskjaer, Maguire, they're going to have to have a talk and just say, like, look, if we just, just give our all just for this one suck. last game. Yeah, <laughs> basically. this game. Don't <laughs> suck. Have a lot of energy and we can just finish out this one game. Then we don't have to worry about Europa League. We can just like, Take a chill, you know, take a chill mm-hmm. break. But Leicester definitely have it all to play for because they, they have to win. I mean, they just they just have They're to. They're not in great form either. Yeah, it's and just, it's, it's going to be tough. Like I, The only thing they have going for them right now is like the pace of Vardy. Iannaccio has been doing decently well. Iose Perez can pop up with the goal, and so, goal in here, here or there. But other than that, the whole team has just been struggling as a whole. Mm-hmm. But the and, more uh, just as exciting battle, obviously the relegation battle, I'm going to go for this. 
shout out to Kevin Egan. We, I'm going to be sticking by his team, Aston Villa. I know I mentioned Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago, but I, unfortunately, Boro fans, I think the it's just looking too unlikely, too unlikely for you guys. You guys have like a big road against you, but Aston Villa, Kevin Egan, I'm going for your team. Shout out to Indiana Vasilev too, the young American <laughs> that's also on Aston Villa. Cheering for you. I am rooting for Villa to stay up, and I think they, they will get the job done against West Ham and find a way to stay up. I, Ironically enough, I will also be on this train for oh, let's go. getting Villa up because shout out to Kevin Egan as well and also to Matt from The Office. <laughs> he was also a Villa <laughs> fan. I nice. think they have the best chances. And also, of course, Indiana Vasilev with that American connection. Also with that UGA connection in yes. like an indirect way. But exactly. Uh, I think Villa also have like the easiest matchup or like mm-hmm. the least difficult matchup to get result from. And also I kind of want Jack Grealish to stay in the Premier League so that if he does get bought out by another team, his <laughs> price will be ridiculously high because he'll still be in the Premier League. So if like say Manchester United try to buy him, it will be 80 million pounds instead of 40 million mm-hmm. if he were to get relegated. So I think Villa, they have a pretty good shot. Second place, hopefully Bournemouth. Watford, I don't think they deserve staying up for the antics that they've been doing in the <laughs> Premier League the past several seasons. It's oh, just man. been pretty toxic. And I know Troy Deeney's a good person. And, you know, all these players, they, you know, fought their way through for the past several seasons. And also, I know Chris Chris Stark <laughs> from, the, from the Peter Crouch podcast is a Watford fan. But, man, <laughs> it's just, it's been the... It's it's not the best way to stay up if Watford. Mm-hmm. It's not the best story either, like in terms of morals to keep Watford up. So I yeah, I think what Arsenal has got to do the job and just finish them, just send them, send them the championship, and Villa stays yeah. up. Yeah, I I I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting. Championship Sunday is probably one of the most. This has probably been one of the most exciting championship Sundays in a while. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we already know who won the title, who has top two. But in terms of who gets the final two Champions League spots, and not to mention Europa League, and also this final spot to stay in the Premier League, it's going to be super fun. I'm excited for Championship Sunday. A little sad that the Premier League is coming to a close this season after a wild and wacky season, but it's. A long time coming, but I'm super excited for this uh, for this last weekend of the Premier League. But that kind of wraps up um, our show. Please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. If you are listening on Apple Apple Podcasts, if you can give us a rating on iTunes and such, it really helps us out, helps us get more notice, and helps us, um, you know, helps other people find our shows as well um, in the Apple Podcast realm. But yeah. Depending on if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify, give us a follow there. But yeah, please make sure to late com- rate, comment, and subscribe. Also on social media at the Premier Pod, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Leave us comments. You know, we want to hear what you guys have to say. Um, we're always active on there, posted memes or graphics or anything, uh, some banter here and there. We just love uh, we love interacting with you guys. So please. Uh, please make sure to uh, send us some some of your reactions and stuff. And also, I wanted to point out real quickly that we have recently been hitting 20 downloads uh, for the past couple of weeks on episodes. So shout out to you guys. Um, couldn't have done that without the support of everyone that's cheering on and cheering for us at the Premier Pod. So thank you guys so much for the love and support you guys have shown us by downloading the episode, listening on, and just hearing what we have to say. Just two normal dudes from Georgia. <laughs> uh, talking about the Premier League. So we, we do thank you guys for that. 
Yes. Much appreciated. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to all the listeners that stuck with us for all this time and just kind of watched us grow. So hopefully we can repay you guys by keeping the content good, keeping it interesting to what you guys want to hear and hopefully give you something that maybe you didn't know about. Yes, exactly. But yeah, that kind of wraps it up for um, episode 82 for us. But yeah, thank you guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.